Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 31 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 29th in Cleveland, Ohio. We are less than two weeks away. Countdown is on. Jacksonville Jaguars will officially be on the clock in less than two weeks. Hard to believe that it's finally here, but at the same time, I can't wait for it to be here. We know that the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. And we know that the Jets are taking a quarterback now that they've traded Sam Darnold. So we know that Zach Wilson's going there. Really, the draft is starting at number three with the 49ers. What are the Niners going to do? They've traded up. We know they're going to go after a quarterback. But which quarterback is going to be? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Or... Is it Mac Jones? And a lot of people have talked about, well, Mac Jones, you know, why would you trade up to number three if it's going to be Mac Jones? You could possibly even stay back at number 12 and and land him. You you didn't have to trade all the way up to three if you wanted to trade up. You could trade up to number eight. You could trade up to number six. Look, at the end of the day, the Niners were looking for a dance partner, and they found it, and they were able to go ahead and trade up and get the quarterback that they're looking for. Whether it is Mac Jones or, or Justin Fields, I feel that those are the top two right now in terms of of who they might be targeting. I think those would be the best fits in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Really the question then becomes, is Mac Jones going to be that right fit? You watch Justin Fields. He runs that 4-4-40 at his pro day, pro day number one. Pro day number two, there's Kyle Shanahan and there's John Lynch. They're both in attendance and they're running that pro day basically for them, running a lot of their concepts, really wanting to showcase what Justin Fields can do in front of that 49er contingent. Was it enough? You know, there, there were even those posts showing Mac Jones with his shirt off, the dad bod that he was rocking and everything. But look, we also do that. We make fun of Tom Brady, what he looked like on his pro day. They show that all the time. They show that that's not the body of a quarterback taken in the sixth round. And how many rings has he won? You know, I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady, and I'm not saying they're going to have similar success. But what I am saying is, is that's not not always going to be the end-all, be-all when it comes to the quarterback position. And the thing that you have with Mac Jones that he does do very well is that processing of, of information, the, the preparation, and then the ability to know where he's going to go with that football and that, that mental makeup, understanding where to go. And I, I think that there are times where Justin Fields doesn't have that. And I think that might be the difference. And that's ultimately why I still have Mac Jones going there. You know, and really at this point, we know that the 49ers, they already know who they're going to be taking there at number three overall. I might as well stick to my guns with my draft board. I've changed my draft board in the past. I've changed my mock draft time and time again with, with a week or, or less than a week to go. And it ends up coming back to bite me because those picks that I had a week prior to the draft actually hit. So I'm not changing my mock draft. Could it be Justin Fields? It very well could be, but I'm sticking with Mac Jones at this point. I think, you know, that's really what's going to happen going forward. Falcons at number four, they could potentially trade back. I mean, and that is a, you know, a logical thought. Maybe the Falcons do trade back, but man, think about Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones in that offense. You know, Calvin Ridley, if I'm Calvin Ridley, I'm, I'm excited because you try to double Julio, you try to double Pitts, you're getting single coverage, and you're going to be a guy that could have a field day against some of those single, you know, that's that, that man-to-man coverage there. Matt Ryan still has some years left in him, and a lot of people have said, you know, look, down the stretch, lately the, the Falcons have struggled, and they haven't won many games, but it's not because of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan can still get it done. He can still sling it. He's still among the top quarterbacks in terms of a passing yards. I think, you know, really they need to show up that running game. You know, I, I think they need to target whether it's Javante Williams or Travis Etienne in round number two. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be your guy in round one going to the Falcons. Bengals sitting there at number five. Is it going to be Panay Sewell? You got to take care of uh, Joe Burrow. You know what happened last year with Joe Burrow in the knee. And sure, you could take Panay Sewell there. But what if he could get... Jamar Chase at five. And look, I've already said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm already watching them give Joe Burrow some of the weapons that he was used to there at LSU. He already got one in his tight end, Thaddeus Moss. He gets Jamar Chase, and guess what? In round two, you can still go and get Jalen Mayfield out of out of Michigan. I think he'll be there when Cincinnati's drafting in round number two. 
And so you get Chase, you get Mayfield, you've addressed your receiver position, you've addressed the offensive tackle position. Joe Burrow's happy. Dolphins sitting there at number six. Look, whatever receiver is up there on the board, I think they still go Devontae Smith. There's a chance that it could be Jalen Waddle because of that, that speed and that his speed kills. He's getting those comparisons to, to Tyreek Hill. I think they're valid. Similar body type, similar explosiveness. But there's just something about Devontae Smith and, and reuniting him with Tua. There's just something about him. You put him, line, line him up there in the slot, let him go. Um, you know, there's just something about Devontae Smith that makes me think he's going to be that pick there at number six. Lions at seven, they could go Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, whoever's still on the board. But I think you have to also take care of Jared Goff. You get a tackle. You already have Taylor Decker on the left side. You need a right tackle. Get Panay Sewell in there. And then look, round number two, Rondale Moore is likely going to be sitting there. Whoever, there's going to be a receiver that's going to drop. You know that's going to happen. Lions will be sitting there. I think Rondale Moore, you can still land a guy that has that vertical presence and uh, a guy that can can be a home run hitter for you. Uh, you know, Jared Goff gets protection up front. Then he gets a receiver in round number two. You look at the Panthers there at number eight. They're talking about possibly trading down. You know, and I think you know that's entirely possible. I know that that Matt Rule wants to continue to stockpile. You know, that draft capital. But man, if you're sitting there at eight and Rashawn Slater, either Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater are on the board, you go and you get them. And we already saw Matt Rule address the trenches on the on the defensive side of the ball last year with Derek Brown and Yitro Gross Matos. This year you go Rashawn Slater, round number two. Go ahead and get Sam Darnold a weapon. Get Pat Pat Fryermuth. You need a tight end. Look, Carolina's needed a tight end desperately ever since Greg Olson left. Get Pat Fryermuth, get Baby Gronk in there as that weapon there at the tight end position. Brown uh, Bronco sitting there at number nine. Could they go with the quarterback? I think that's probably where a team is going to trade up to get uh, Justin Fields. I actually have Justin Fields going to the Patriots there at 15. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think the Patriots ultimately need that future at quarterback. Patriots trade up. And Micah Parsons ends up falling to the to the Broncos. I think the Broncos need an inside linebacker. They didn't really address that position. Both Josie Jewell and Anthony Johnson are going to be free agents at the end of the season. I think that's who you end up targeting there. Uh, and we're going to talk about Micah Parsons here in just a second. Uh, we're going to get into you know the Cowboys at number 10. Could they go offensive line? Sure, but they really need to address that defense. Get Patrick Sertan. Let's not mess around. Get a corner on the outside. Have him team with, with his buddy there from, from Alabama and Trevon Diggs. You can still get a guy like Liam Eikenberg uh, at, at offensive tackle to ultimately be groomed to be Tyron Smith's replacement there in round number two. So then who's, who's getting Trey Lance? Where's that going to happen? I think the Bears. The Bears, to me, make a lot of sense. You've got two veteran quarterbacks there in Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, neither of whom, they're both bridge quarterbacks, neither of whom are going to be the future of that franchise. And if you're Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you've got one more shot to resurrect this team or you're out. Get a quarterback, get Trey Lance, do whatever it takes to trade up in the draft and get a quarterback. And that may actually buy you a couple of years because, look, you're going to be grooming this guy, this replacement, for, if you will, for Mitchell Trubisky. And you got two guys that he can learn from, and eventually you'll be able to go ahead and plug Trey Lance in there. Hopefully they'll be around to see that happen, but you got to pull the trigger. You got to do something big. And I think the Bears, they're really on their, their last straw. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, go ahead and get your quarterback, trade up into the draft and get that. But I talked about Micah Parsons, and I said that we were going to talk about him here in a minute. That's because episode 31 is dedicated to the linebacker position. We've been going position by position, taking a look at the draft classes, really where a lot of the guys are going to come off the board. And now it's it's time for the linebackers. And when you look at the linebackers, this is a position that has been... Um, we've had quite a few come off the board. 171 in the last five drafts. And we've averaged right around 34. Last draft, we actually had the fewest uh, linebackers, 32 since 2017. But when you look at the draft class, we have four come off the board in round number one. That was Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen. When you look at the draft class and you study it a little bit further, a couple of guys, you know, uh, additional guys coming off the board there, Josh Uche and and Willie Gay um, in round two. You get further into the draft, there's Malik Harrison in round number three, an Ohio State Buckeye. We got a couple more that we're going to be talking about. Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State coming off the board in round four. He's getting some playing time there with the uh, with the Bengals. 
Uh, Travis Gibson's getting to see a little bit of time there with the Bears in round number five. You keep going down. Justin Sternod, you know, there with the Broncos. He's going to, you know, he's coming off injury. He can get some playing time as well. You know, you, you just keep going down the board, um, you know, and, and guys that kind of stick out to you and, and, and jump out. And, and so ultimately 32 linebackers taken. The year before that was when we had two line, actually three linebackers come off the board in the top 10. Devin White, Josh Allen, and Devin Bush. You also have Brian Burns, um, who was considered a linebacker. He's ultimately you know, really an, an edge and a defensive end. But at the time, everyone was projecting him to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. The Panthers took him there at number 16 overall. You know, that was a draft we saw uh, you know, Chase Winovich, uh, who ends up being a steal there in round number three. Uh, Bobby Okariki starting there for the Colts. He was a round, uh, round three pickup as well. Um, so, you know, as you go through it, Drake Greenlaw, a steal there at round five. He and Andrew Van Ginkle uh, to the 49ers and the Dolphins, respectively, there in round five. Mac Wilson, also a round five pickup of the Browns. He's getting some playing time. Blake Cashman might be a starter there for the Jets. Uh, round five selection as well. Cole Holcomb, another steal in that draft for the Redskins, sitting there in, in round number five, uh, coming out of uh, UNC. Uh, UNC. Uh, so there, there are guys to be had. Look, you know, Ty Summers was the was a surprise there for the Packers, uh, seventh round selection there in 2019. So there are guy, you know, positions to be had, guys that you can end up taking uh, there at the linebacker position in all three days that can end up making a difference for an NFL franchise. So the real, the real question is, is who's going to come off the board first at the position, and then how many guys are we going to see come off the board in round number one? Um, you know, really, you know, for me, when we look at the linebacker position. I think the first guy you have to talk about is Micah Parsons. He's 6'3", 246 pounds. He's a polarizing guy. He really is. And the reason being is, you know, yes, he had some of that off off the field immaturity, uh, you know, talking about potential hazing and, and things like that. And um, end of the day, what you've got there with Micah Parsons, uh, 2018 freshman All-American, led the team in tackles, even though he only started one of Penn State's 13 games. Uh, led the team in tackles again as a sophomore with 109, 14 going for loss, five sacks, five pass breakups, tied for fourth in the FBS with four forced fumbles. He was a first-team All-American, first-team All-Big Ten selection, conferences linebacker of the year. Big things expected in 2020, pandemic hits. He opts out to prepare for the draft. Um, we know that he's an elite athlete, ran a 4-3-9-40. Um, so you, you know that this guy has the, the explosiveness. And here's the thing, you know, he, he came to Penn State as an edge rusher, a, a defensive end, and a guy that you know, can pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. He's still learning the linebacker position. And I, I want to call out the fact that Devin White was the guy that was still learning the linebacker position at LSU. He was a playmaker. He was a guy that everyone was talking about. And, and we see the type of impact he's making now for Tampa. And I look at Micah Parsons. I think you know you're talking about the same type of same type of deal. A guy who is continuing to learn that linebacker position, and a guy that I think is going to end up developing into a very nice pro. Say what you want about him, getting lost in coverage, what have you. You talk about traits. The traits jump off the board. The lateral agility is is, is impressive. You watch him bouncing from gap to gap, searching for the ball, um, changes directions on a dime. Uh, effective as a wrap up tackler in the hole. Um, you know. Look, he's going to bend coming off the edge. Let him pin his ears back and come after the quarterback. Uh, that burst bends off the edge, flattens out to the quarterback in a hurry. Um, does you know have that athleticism to handle man coverage. He'll get lost in coverage. But look, that level of production and the flashes of that star potential, you know, he, he's still learning. And that's the thing. Devin White was still learning that position. He still came off the board in the top five. And is one of the best young linebackers in the league. I'm looking at the part at Micah Parsons. He can be the same thing for, for Vic Fangio and, and the Broncos. Look, if Fangio, just get him into your into the building and coach him up. And eventually you're gonna have that guy that's gonna be uh, a stud playing that off linebacker who on third downs, you're gonna let him just turn him loose and let him get after the quarterback. So to me, Micah Parsons, the Broncos, that, that just seems like a match made in heaven. Um, you know, the Giants know him well. They need an inside backer as well. Could he fall to 11? It's entirely possible. But look, he's one of the best players out there in this draft. You got to, you know, especially on the defensive side of the football. So I think, you know, the, the Broncos, especially if they, they they trade back, I think they have to target Micah Parsons if he's there on the board. Uh, the, the next guy that I'm looking at is Aziz Ojulari. 
out of, out of Georgia. Look, 6'3", 240 pounds, the junior. This is more of, a, of an edge rusher uh, in a 34 defense. I'm looking at Miami at 18, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Look, Ojolari, we know he's twitchy. Uh, tremendous change of direction. The flexibility to turn the corner in a hurry. Once he gets to that edge, flattens out, and then you see that acceleration to get to his quarterback. Look, Peach Bowl against Cincinnati, three sacks, took over that game. Uh, Desmond Ritter really didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, he finished 2020 with nine and a half sacks, including at least one in three of his last four games. And, and look, not only is he bending off the edge, but he also shows good hands to slap the, the offensive tackle's hands down, rip through on his way to the quarterback. And then when he gets there, he's not only looking to bring him down, but he's also looking to make an impact by going for the football separates him from a lot of edge rushers because he's able to do that. And, uh, you know, this is a guy, I think, you know, uh, that athleticism allows him to maintain inside leverage against run plays, really take away those cutback lanes, spilling the run back, uh, the running back to the outside. And, and he wasn't really asked to drop into coverage that often. So I think he, there is going to be some development there. But look, when you're looking for edge rushers, you know, there are few like Aziz Ojulari who can just pin his ears back and get after the quarterback with that type of athleticism and explosiveness. You know, when you're talking about inside linebackers, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, he's 6'1", 221 pounds out of Notre Dame. This is a guy, you look at him, yeah, he, he looks a little undersized, but he is that that new-age NFL linebacker. Uh, and what I love about Owusu-Koromoa, J-O-K for short, is he does a little bit of everything. You know, this is a guy who can line up in the slot and take on those those uh, uh, those receivers if you need him to. He can rush the quarterback and bend coming off the edge if you need him to, or shoot gaps. He can do that as well. He can fill the running lanes. You know, he can play around the line of scrimmage if you need him to. Uh, you know, in his two seasons there at Notre Dame, look, you know, 142 tackles, 24 and a half going for loss. This was a dude that was just playing behind the line of scrimmage all day long. Seven sacks, had seven pass breakups, four forced fumbles, five, uh, I'm sorry, five forced fumbles and four fumble recoveries, one of which he actually returned for a touchdown. The, the, the range that this guy has, his ability to play sideline to sideline, and then his ability to get back and, and, and affect uh, the pass and coverage is what really sets, separates him. And I'm looking at a team like the Washington Redskins. This is a team, yes, they could go offensive line. Could they go receiver? Absolutely. But really, the one thing that they're lacking there is a playmaker at that linebacker position. They've got a guy who I think is a keeper in Cole Holcomb. But look, you know, He'll either play the Sam or the Mike, but you got John Bostic. He's in the final year of his deal. Ryan Anderson and Kevin Pierre-Lewis are both gone in free agency. You get JOK. Ron Rivera gets his Shaq Thompson, you know, who we had in Carolina. He gets his Shaq Thompson in Washington. It makes a ton of sense to me. So then we move on and we look at some additional linebackers that are going to come off the board in round number one, in my opinion. How about my favorite player in the entire draft? Zaven Collins. 6'4", 260 pounds out of Tulsa. The junior, look, this guy, you know, I, I think probably one of the best examples of, of how the the pandemic benefited some of these small smaller schools. Everyone got to see Tulsa play, and everywhere you look, 23 was, was on the field. You know, he, he's a tremendous blitzer. Uh, he shows excellent hand usage, flexibility to bend the, bend the corner in a hurry, get after the quarterback. Um, you know, play sideline to sideline, uh, despite being 260 pounds. Uh, tremendous blitzer, uh, like I said, rushing the quarterback. But then he drops into coverage. Four interceptions in 2020, including a 96-yard walk-off pick six to beat Tulane in, in overtime. So this is a guy I think he, he he's quick to read and react on the run plays. Looks to get downhill in a hurry. Can scrape over the top of blocks. Takes good angles to the football. I think he's a cerebral, intelligent player. Look, valedictorian of his high school. Uh, Hominy High there in Oklahoma. Um, good instincts, trusts his eyes that take him to the football and uh, shoots those gaps coming downhill. Very disruptive in the backfield. And, and as I said in coverage, he, he gets good depth and then he reads those quarterbacks' eyes really as a guide to make plays against the pass. He does struggle with missed tackles. 37 over the last three years according to Pro Football Focus. And then he's inconsistent at times taking on blocks because there are times where he'll let that offensive lineman get his hands into his body, really making it difficult for him to, to disengage. But that skill set for him allows him to be effective as either a Mike or a Will. And I'm looking at Cleveland. They need to get a, an upgrade over Sione Taketaki, uh, in my opinion. And uh, I think Zayvon Collins could be that guy to, to do just that. So we talked about Jason Owe uh, last week. Uh, in the last podcast, 
Um, I think he'll end up being a 334 outside linebacker there for the Ravens, coming off the board at number 27, uh, be that edge rusher. Um, and same goes for, for Joe Tryon there for Washington. I think Tampa sitting there at 32. Look, they could use another edge rusher. You, you already have Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Bring in Joe Tryon, and, and you know, you, you've really uh, looked at the future whenever Jason Pierre-Paul decides to hang it up. But uh, the next true linebacker that we're talking about, I actually have him coming off the board to KC. He can go, you know, come off the board in, in the mid-teens, and that's Jamin Davis. He's 6'4", 234 pounds, another guy who's a tremendous athlete, ran a 4'4", at his at his pro day, which is, you know, unreal. Saw a real uptick in production this past season, racking up 100, uh, 102 tackles, three interceptions, just 10 games of action. Uh, maybe one of the top covered uh, linebackers in this draft, matching up with wide receivers in the slot, running backs taking off up the sleeve, tight ends firing off the line as well. Does a good job jamming that outside shoulder whenever possible to force the receiver to the inside and then has those hips to turn and run with the receivers. Um, you know, if you saw that film against Tennessee, able to get depth and flash into the throwing lane to pick off Jared uh, Gorantano, extending that right hand to, uh, as the ball was thrown inside. And then from there, use that speed to take off for an 85-yard pick six. You know, and then imagine that. That's 64 234-pound linebacker with a 42-inch vertical leap uh, jumping into that throwing lane. You know, I mean, he covers a ton of ground. But then that, that versatility also on display in the Gator Bowl this year against NC State. On one play, he gets to the quarterback coming downhill for a sack. Then the next play, um, you know, he, he's getting lateral to the to the perimeter to drop a running back in space for no gain. Uh, you know, just tremendous job maintaining gap integrity, takes away those cutback lanes against the running back, effective in slipping underneath blocks to make a play on the ball carrier as well. You see that lateral quickness, talked about that with a couple of other guys, able to scrape over the top of blocks, can stack and shed as well with ease, really good job uh, in backside pursuit, and uh, good timing as a blitzer as well. So look, this guy has a motor that never quits, tremendously active playing sideline to sideline. And I'm looking at Kansas City. If they want to elevate their defense, you know, they lost Damian Wilson. You've got Anthony Hitchens at the mic and Willie Gay is probably going to play the will. I think Jamin Davis, you bring him in and that really solidifies that linebacking core there in KC. So you you move on to to round number two and there's a, a key linebacker that I haven't mentioned yet and a guy that should come off the board fairly early on day two. Um, and that's going to be Nick Bolton there out of Missouri. And what you love about Nick Bolton is he's a extremely productive volume tackler. Racked up nearly 200 tackles in the last two seasons alone. Flies to the football, takes the right angle to the ball. Terror behind the line of scrimmage, racking up 17 and a half tackles for loss in his career. Also showed off surprising ball skills with fifth, uh, 16 total passes defended. Uh, he's six foot, 232 pounds. Uh, ran a 4.5940, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, you know, so he, he's plenty fast. Um, and a, a guy, look, he, he, when you have that type of range, uh, he can play all over the field. I think I'm looking at the Saints, and if you can ultimately pair Nick Bolton up. With Demario Davis, that really gives your your defense some some versatility there. And then there's Baron Browning out of Ohio State, 6'3", 240 pounds, another guy that I love. I just wish he could stay healthy. If he could stay healthy, this might be the steal of the draft. I'm looking at the Rams, and the Rams need linebacker help. Their linebackers have been atrocious, um, you know, with you know especially in the middle of that defense, but then also in coverage. And Baron Browning could be that difference maker. You know, this is a guy. Look, uh, you know, just versatile, could be that three down player that they need, sets a hard edge against the run, also showing that that lateral agility to to take off and and make plays in in space. He bends well off the edge as a blitzer. Um, And then he was used to cover slot receivers, you know, while at Ohio State as well. Um, So that's something, look, menace behind the line of scrimmage, 19 tackles for loss during his time with the Buckeyes, and then uh, ran that 40 at at 4-5-1. So you you know that he definitely has that athleticism to run with running backs and tight ends and coverage as well. Um, So he's a guy, look, just keep an eye out for uh, Baron Browning. He's a guy that I think is going to be an impact starter at the next level. And the Rams, to me, just that that seems like a perfect fit when when it's all said and done. So... That, that's really what I'm looking at in the first two rounds of the draft at, at the linebacker position. But, you know, have no fear. There are going to be plenty coming off the board in round three. First one that I'm really looking at, and I have him as a 
as a linebacker, he's probably going to end up playing, you know, either a 34 outside linebacker or a DN. Uh, and that's Quincy Roche out of Miami. Um, you know, 6'4", 235 pounds. Um, I'm looking at Atlanta in round three. They're going to need to address that pass rush at some point. And, uh, you know, Quincy Roche built a lot like Brian Burns, although Brian Burns added some weight to him um, before he ended up heading into the NFL, which has really helped him as a down lineman. Um, if Roche doesn't do that, he's going to have to be a 34 outside linebacker. But very explosive, extremely productive, 30 and a half sacks with uh, the Temple Owls and the, the Hurricanes. Struggles to get off blocks, which is why I'm thinking he needs to play in space and take advantage of his elite athleticism. But definitely a guy who has a motor that never quits getting after the quarterback. Uh, I'm looking at Chaz Surratt. Uh, the Eagles uh, are a team that need linebacker play. Look, you know, they, they you know, a lot to be desired there. Significant upgrades needed. And Chaz Surratt, look, 6'2", 229 pounds. Uh, ran a 45840, so we know that he's plenty fast to, to have that sideline to sideline range at the next level that he showcased there for UNC. And this is a guy who converted from quarterback to inside linebacker following his sophomore season. All he did was rack up 206 tackles, 22 and a half going for loss, 12 and a half sacks, two interceptions, five pass breakups, and a pair of forced fumbles. So those quarterback instincts allow him to play fast. Diagnosing the plays in a hurry, flowing uh, to, to the football. Times those blitz as well. Does an excellent job reading those quarterbacks' eyes when he drops into coverage as well. I think we're only scratching the surface on his potential. Could potentially be a steal there in round number three. Which leads us to Dylan Moses out of, out of Bama. 6'3", 235. And look, this was a guy that was expected to lead that Bama defense in 2019. But that ACL tear in fall camp ended the season before it began. And he shows up in 2020. Um, showed tremendous leadership skills, but what he lacked, you know, was the explosiveness that, that he showed as, as a sophomore. And really, as it turned out, you know, he said that he was still reeling from the effects of that knee injury, wasn't 100%, still so, showed some speed to play uh, to the sideline, had a nose for the ball coming downhill, uh, looking to de- deliver a big hit. Um, but look, you know, you know, the biggest thing was, was he got lost in coverage, you know, and I think that's really him, you know, playing out of position. I look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys, let him play um, you know, possibly as a will and let him fly around to the football and you may actually have something. Don't don't have him playing uh, playing the mic, playing inside. Um, you know, he got lost when he was dropping into coverage and, and you know he was missing guys that were running you know over the middle uh, quite a bit. But allow him to be that 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 linebacker, a chase linebacker, a guy that can make plays in space, and I think you may have something there. Um, Cam McGrone out of Michigan, 6'1", 232 pounds, only a redshirt sophomore. I mentioned the Giants need an inside linebacker. If they don't go Micah Parsons in round number one, I think they could go with him in round number three. And look, with McGrone, he's only played in 19 games over the past two seasons, but he started 15 of those games, made an impact as a three-down linebacker, has the speed and lateral agility to play sideline to sideline, tough coming downhill, offers decent cover skills as well, which is going to keep him on the field on third downs. I like him in round number three, and I think the Giants could definitely use him. Which then takes us, as we continue through uh, the the linebacker rankings, I think we're pretty much at, as I'm looking at my my third round mock, we're, we're basically made it through the linebackers at that point. Uh, which then takes us on to, to round number four. And really, now we're starting to get into day three. And the day three consideration, you're looking for guys that that have that, uh, you know, have that potential to, to be a playmaker. And, and I think one of those guys is Hamilcar Rochette. And look, you're coming out of Oregon State, 6'3", 255 pounds. And look, you know, this was a guy... As a junior in 2019, I think he cemented his status, you know, uh, in the NFL on the radar after uh, what was it? It was 14 sacks, which tied him with Alex Highsmith, uh, himself a, a third-round pick in, in 2020, uh, finished behind only Chase Young and Gregory Rousseau. Uh, and so, when you look at that, that's that's pretty darn impressive. You know, this is a guy that you know could make plays uh, in the backfield, had 12. Uh, 12 tackles for loss. And so you're looking at him and you're like, all right, you know, Rashad's a, definitely a guy to, to watch out for in 2020. Here's what ended up happening. He struggled to make that same impact in 2020. Managed just 23 total tackles, two tackles for loss. Didn't get a single sack in the six games that the Beavers played. 
Um, significant drop in production. I think that that you know, means that there was a hit to it to that draft stock, which is why I think he's going to fall to day three. I thought teams keyed in on him. He struggled to set a hard edge against the run, and basically, um, it was a step slow getting to the quarterback as a result. And so he, he it limited his effectiveness overall. And so I, I think you know a team like the Chargers that's going to look for an outside linebacker that can get after the quarterback at least as a situational pass rusher to start out. Round four makes a lot of sense to me. Chris Rumpf out of Duke. Some people have him in, in the third. Some have him in the fifth. I see him as a fourth round pick. He's 6'3", uh, with 226 pounds. Uh, the junior, look, he is undersized, but he's a fluid athlete, uh, incredibly explosive in space. Reminds me a little bit of, of Leonard Floyd just in his build. A quick get off. Ben's well coming off the edge and route to the quarterback. You know, totaled 17 and a half sacks in his career with the Blue Devils. Uh, improved those sack totals in each of his three seasons as well. So it wasn't like there was just a splash year or anything like that. He continued to improve uh, in his ability to get after the quarterback. Um, a team like the Texans, they could use some help. You know, Whitney Merciless can use some help getting after the quarterback. So round four makes some sense there with Chris Rump. Uh, the Raiders, they need linebacker help. How about a guy like Pete Werner? You know, Werner has a chance to end up being a third-round pick. I think he'll ultimately be a fourth-rounder, though. 6'3", 239 pounds. Another guy like Baron Browning. Um, you know, fluid hips, lining up over the receivers in the slot, flying downhill, shooting gaps against the run, and as a blitzer. Tremendous open-field tackler, squaring up the ball carrier, breaking down under control, wrapping up and driving through the to finish as well. That athleticism and versatility is just what the Raiders need. And I think round four will be perfect value uh, for a guy like like Werner who has that starter potential. I'm going to give you a name uh, of a guy who I think is, is kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Um, definitely athletic, but I think he's still raw. Um, Jordan Smith at a UAB. 6'6", 264 pounds. Ran that 4'8", at his pro day, but he still has that first step quickness that you see. Um, you know, he's, he's able to bend, uh, uses that length to his advantage. Um, this is a guy who definitely has those, those long arms, you know, uh, you know, at six, six and look, you know, he played 10 pounds lighter. So when he showed up at his pro day, um, you know, that, that four, eight 40, you know, also taking into account the fact that he showed up, you know, a little bit, a little bit bigger, but also a little bit stronger than, than during the season as well. Um, He's a guy that, that could be a menace coming off the edge at 23 and a half tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks in just two seasons with the Blazers. I, I think, you know, I look at the, a team like the Steelers. You know, they've got, uh, you know, TJ Watt. They've also got Alex Highsmith. I, I think, you know, now that Bud Dupree is gone, they need someone to complement those two guys. And I think Jordan Smith can absolutely do that. Fourth, fifth round main range really makes the most sense to me. Some people have him targeted going off the board as high as round number three. I just think there's there's too much. Uh, you know, he's a developmental guy. I just don't think that you're going to want to take him in, in round number three. Um, how about Derek Barnes out of Purdue? Let's talk about him. 6'1", uh, 238 pounds. Actually shed probably about close to 10 pounds um, from his playing weight. And, and this is a guy. Look, he, he was an interesting dude. Um, you know, the Boilermakers had him playing at linebacker. Uh, his sophomore season racked up 92 tackles, eight going for loss with three sacks on the year as well. Then, then they needed to move him to defensive end as a junior. Plays with his hand in the dirt and ends up with seven and a half sacks and 11 tackles for loss in the process. So he showed that he can bend off the edge and make plays in the backfield as well. Then he moves to inside backer for a senior season. Shows off some lateral agility, scraping over the top and run plays, filling gaps coming downhill, surprising hips dropping into coverage. And look, you can say what you want, you know about him and well he's an average athlete come on he put those any of that 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 doubt to rest at his pro day runs the 45740 37 inch vertical leap i look at barnes the versatility you know, i'm looking at a team like the rams who need that linebacker help and i already mentioned that you know they could end up taking a guy like baron browning i'm also looking at him he makes a ton of sense to me uh they're in in round number four round number five range he's a guy that's really uh, intriguing, I, you know. If I must say, you know, I, I think he's a guy to really keep an eye out for. Um, you know, a guy that I haven't mentioned yet, and a guy who I think could be in that second to third round range is Jabril Cox out of LSU. Look, this was a guy. He shows up at, at North. Uh, I'm sorry, North Dakota State, and a guy who was just a baller. You know, this is a guy who was making plays all over the field. 
um, you know, a guy who had a knack for knack for the big play. You know, he was he was making uh, you know picking off passes, returning them for touchdown. A guy that was just making plays all over the field, and uh, a guy to me, you know, if the Rams don't end up getting Baron Browning, I think this is another guy who can make a ton of sense for uh, for the Rams because of the fact that he's a guy that can make make plays in coverage he's a guy that can come downhill um and i think the linebacker play like i said for the rams over the last few seasons has really been struggling um but let's let's look at jabril cox for a second played on a north dakota state bison team that went 45 and 1 during his three years during that time 258 tackles 32 going for loss 14 sacks and 38 starts grad transfer Goes to LSU in Baton Rouge. Uh, proved that he belonged at the FBS level. Picked off KJ Costello. Returned the pass 14 yards for a score in his Tiger debut against Mississippi State. Yes, KJ Costello went crazy against LSU, but that was more a product of Bo Pelini's defense and, and you know more so than anything else. Jabril Cox absolutely proved that he, he's a guy that can make plays. Um, excellent size, but he shows that change of direction necessary to play sideline to sideline against the run and the pass. Incredibly instinctive with a nose for the football, a knack for making plays against both the run and the pass, as I said. Uh, just a dynamic player and a guy, you know, I, I think he could end up coming off the board in round two, um, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. There are a few linebackers. Uh, you know, he'll be competing with Baron Browning in terms of, you know, versatility, um, you know, and, and trying to figure out exactly who's going to come off the board there. He'll also be competing with Nick Bolton. Those are a couple of guys that could sneak ahead of him um, in the draft. But, look, you can't sleep on on a guy like uh, like Jabril Cox. You know, he definitely proved that he's, you know, he, he's here to stay. He's, a, he's definitely a player and a guy that can make an impact at the next level. Tony Fields the second out of West Virginia. Uh, started his career at, at, uh, at Arizona uh, with the Wildcats. Transferred to West Virginia as a, as a grad transfer, especially you know not knowing if the Pac-12 was going to play. And uh, finished the career with 375 tackles. Takes excellent angles to the football uh, against the run. Trusts his eyes, dropping into coverage. He's a guy that I think could push for playing time. I'm looking at the Vikings. The Vikings need a will. You know, um, you're looking at Ryan Connolly right now, and I think... Um, you know, Tony Fields could push him for playing time and might end up getting a chance to start uh, at some point in his career. Um, so I think that's another pick that, that makes some sense as we start looking at that. As we, we continue to expand and we look at some additional linebackers, um, you know, as we, we scroll through the list and some of the guys that, that I'm looking at, uh, Monty Rice out of Georgia, a guy that that has been hyped up. A lot of people have talked about him, and uh, you know, I, I think his his draft stock. I think initially people were thinking, oh yeah, this is definitely a guy that's going to come off the board um, on uh, on day two. And he, he's a veteran of of this top Georgia defense, and he's going to be the guy. Honestly, with, with when I watch uh, watch him play, he, he's one of those guys to me that. Um, it's kind of up and down. He's hit or miss. And, you know, I think he is athletic. He's a guy that can drop into coverage. Um, I just want to see more consistency out of him. And I think if we if we do see that out of, uh, out of Monty Rice, we have a good chance at, at having a pretty good pro. Um, you know, I think he'd be good value uh, towards the end of, of round number four. I think Green Bay is looking for, for playmakers. Um, I think he does a good job reading plays, reacting quickly to the ball carry. He's slippery enough to avoid blocks, heading downhill, good hands to disengage when needed, um, pretty good wrap-up tackler, and I, I think really the biggest thing is he's developing still in coverage, um, but he can drop into zone a little bit. Um, you know, Monty Rice, look, he, he was a veteran there for Georgia, 6'1", 235 pounds. I think that that fourth, fourth to fifth round range probably makes some sense for Monty Rice when it's all said and done. Shaka Tony, another guy that I think could come off the board in round number four, played defensive end there at Penn State, might be an end or an outside linebacker, uh, 6'3", 252 pounds, uh, 20 and a half tackles for loss, but 20 sacks. Uh, you know, a guy that's going to be that edge rusher bending around the edge, 
I'd love to see Shaka Tony um, as a, a 34 outside linebacker. Let him play in space. Let him come off the edge that way. And I think he might be a little bit more effective uh, as a pass rusher. Another guy who's going to be a little um, underrated, but a guy that I think is, is is just a heady football player, and that's Riley Cole out of South Alabama. 6'3", 225 pounds, a veteran player. Look, you know, this past season, 96 tackles there for the Jaguars, 6.5 going for loss. Um, you know, leader of the defense, the guy that you could probably pick up in the later rounds and one of those intelligent players who can end up finding his way onto the football field. Uh, another guy who's going to be a thumper for you, battling some injuries uh, during his time there at Auburn, K.J. Britt. He only played in two games this past season due to injury, but look, six foot, 243 pounds. He's a thumper coming downhill. Uh, had 10 uh, tackles for loss in 2019, three and a half sacks on, on the year as well. Uh, but what you think about in 2019, what did you have uh, there in the middle in 2019, you had Derek Brown, and that's the biggest thing. That's really a credit to Derek Brown uh, having that that presence on the interior that allowed him to really play play freely and fly around to the football and make plays. That's something that he's going to need, I think, in front of him to really be a, a playmaker. Is to have a, a strong presence there at a defensive tackle that's going to eat up some of those blocks. Uh, Patrick Johnson out of Tulane, um, an edge rusher there for for the Green Wave. I think you know this is another guy. Look, 6'3", 255 pounds, 21 sacks in his career, 11 pass breakups, six forced fumbles. You know, I, I like the the length to him. I like I like him, you know, the his ability. Like I said, getting his hand into the passing lane. You know, had 10 sacks as a as a sophomore with five pass breakups. That was really his his banner year, and he's really never quite match that level of production although his senior season 11 tackles for loss seven sacks uh to go along with a couple of forced fumbles and a couple of pass breakups probably you know he he was getting closer to to that but just wasn't able to quite uh, get over the hump but i look at patrick johnson let him play in space let him be a 334 outside linebacker you know i, I think about uchenna nwosu um, you know, who was a guy who just always got his hand up in the passing lane, uh, knocking passes down left and right. I think Patrick Johnson could potentially be a player like that, uh, but I think he'll probably end up being a fifth, sixth round player when it's all said and done. Uh, Ernest Jones out of South Carolina was an intriguing guy, 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, you know, I think he ran in the four sixes. Um, you know, a guy that, look, over the past two seasons there for the Gamecocks, 183 tackles, volume tackler. Uh, I really loved his play as a sophomore, had five pass breakups, picked off a couple of passes, um, kind of was quiet in, in, uh, in coverage, uh, dropping. Uh, but I think he'll be a guy that will end up finding a roster in the late rounds uh, because he's a guy that I think can end up being a, a difference maker on special teams. Um, Jacoby Stevens out of LSU, a safety bulked up safety 6'2 230 pounds really can be a new age linebacker when it's all said and done this is a guy who has four interceptions 15 pass breakups in his career um, also has 21 and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks so this is a guy that lsu loved to play in the box around the line of scrimmage you know play both safety and linebacker look this guy was a converted wide receiver you play wide out in 2017. They moved him to the defensive side of the football. All he's done is continue to get better and, and you know, bulking up. Look, had 92 tackles. So he was a volume tackler there at, at uh, LSU in 2019 for the national champions. And, uh, you know, really played more of that linebacker position in 2020. Um, to me, he's, he's a guy that, you know, he could be drafted as high as the fourth round, probably in that fifth, sixth round range, just because, um, you know, I, I think having that that conversion to that from that safety to that linebacker position but i think he's one of those again a new age linebacker that could end up you know getting some playing time when it's all said and done uh, grant stewart out of houston 6'1 225 pounds uh was a safety the first three seasons there for the cougars uh ended up playing linebacker in 2020 uh, a kid who you know, has tremendous range tremendous motor a guy that's never going to quit on on the on a play, um, you know, 16 and a half tackles for loss, including nine and a half as a junior, uh, just living in, a, in opposing backfield, 97 tackles as a safety. Well, you know, that was a big reason why they ultimately kicked him, kicked him outside to, to linebacker or brought him up, uh, I should say, around the line of scrimmage because of what he did in 2019. And, uh, you know, a guy that battled some injuries there in, in 2020, um, but a guy who I think could end up being a, a difference maker when it's all said and done. Um, 
Look, TCU linebackers, I just I love watching TCU linebackers and, and the way that they play. And there's there's yet another TCU linebacker that people are gonna have to keep an eye on, and that's Garrett Wallow. Um, you know, I, Ty Summers was another guy that I really enjoyed watching, but Garrett Wallow to me is a guy that I think is gonna end up making plays at the next level. And uh, you know, a, a guy that look, you know, when you needed him to to make a ton of tackles, the guy absolutely did that. Nearly 300 tackles in his career, really just over the last three seasons with the Horned Frogs. He's 6'2", 230 pounds, 125 tackles in 2019, followed it up with 90 tackles in just 10 games there for TCU. Eight and a half tackles, uh, eight and a half sacks, I should say, 32 and a half tackles for loss, including 18 in 2019. Um, A guy that he, he can drop into coverage a little bit, but a guy that's really all about, you know, he can make plays sideline to sideline, likes to come downhill, a guy that's going to shoot gaps, uh, very effective as a blitzer as well. I really like Garrett Wallow. He may not come off the board until the sixth or seventh round uh, you know, because, you know, there may be some limitations athletically, but he's a football player, and he's a guy that's going to end up getting out onto the football field. It was just like Ty Summers, a guy that was playing defensive end and linebacker, ends up being a, a guy that was leading the Packers in tackles at one point, um, at least for a couple of games. Uh, Rayshard Ashby out of Virginia Tech. He's undersized. He's 5'10", 237 pounds, but a guy had back-to-back 100 yard, 100 tackles ga- uh, seasons there in 2018, 2019. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, you know, 34 tackles for loss, 10 sacks in his career as well. A guy that just has a nose for the football. Being undersized, it, it, there are some concerns there, but I, I think he's a guy that. You know, could be a special teams ace and a guy that's just going to work his way onto the football field. I, I think that 5'10", uh, look, there have been guys that have been shorter at the linebacker position and have been able to make plays. I think a London Fletcher, uh, and, and you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, I think they said he was 5'10", he's probably more like 5'8", 5'9", but a guy that just play, made plays all over the field. Zach Thomas was a guy that wasn't the, wasn't the tallest, but a guy that was able to make plays. And when you've got a nose for the football and you have that type of instincts, Look, 17 tackles for loss in 2019. You know, you're doing something right. And I think Rayshard Ashby is one of those guys that's going to make his way onto a football field, and you're not going to get him off. You're not going to get him off the field. He's going to be a guy that's just going to continue to make plays. Um, you know, Blake Gallagher is an interesting cat out of, out of Northwestern, 6'1", 228 pounds. Uh, a guy with, with over 300 tackles, 332 to be exact. Uh, 21 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, a guy that, you know, another volume tackler, the, the biggest thing is I think he struggles a little bit in coverage. Yeah, and I think that's where he might only be a two-down two down linebacker, but a guy that, again, has has some pretty good um, you know, downhill uh, capability. The, the other guy that played with him there at, at Northwestern is Patty Fisher. And, and the thing with Patty Fisher that you like is he can be – um, you know, a, an intelligent player, uh, a volume tackler, a guy that's just going to rack up the tackles, and you, you love the way that he plays. You know, just all out, all the time. Um, like I said, an intelligent player. The problem is, is he ran that four nine forty, and you just worry about the speed. So this was a guy. What's crazy is, is he, he was once thought of as a guy that could potentially be a first round pick. I mean, look, he looks the party, six four, two hundred forty pounds, and. Uh, you know, coming into that 2019 season, he was coming off back-to-back, uh, you know, 110 tackle seasons. Um, still had 24 and a half tackles for loss in his career, four interceptions, 10 pass breakups, 10 forced fumbles. So he does have a nose for the ball. You know, when he drops into coverage, uh, you know, he does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes. It's just the physical limitations really concern you, and that 4940 just adds to it. Coming downhill. Uh, but you know, can he really? You know, that lateral quickness worries you as well. Uh, I think he'll just be a step slow at the next level. Um, Isaiah McDuffie is an interesting guy out of Boston College. He's 6'1", 224 pounds, 107 tackles uh, there this past season there for B, uh, for BC. Battled injuries in 2017 and 2019, um, so that's really the biggest concern that you have. But a guy that you know, not only the volume tackler. But a guy that can get after the quarterbacks and make make some plays behind the line of scrimmage, he's a guy to keep an eye on um, as a a guy that could potentially uh, make an NFL roster. Uh, but again, you know the medicals are going to have to definitely check out for him. Um, as we continue looking through some of these linebackers, you know My, uh, Milo Eifler, Eifler uh, there for for Illinois, if I can say his name right, Milo Eifler, 
225 pounds, started his career at Washington, uh, last two seasons there at Illinois. Uh, a guy that I think makes some plays behind the line of scrimmage, um, has a nose for the football, and, and a guy, look, when he lost Jake uh, Jake Hansen, you know, really the kind of the heart and soul of that at Illinois defense, it really seemed to kind of change things and change the trajectory. This was a guy, look, uh, you know, when Hansen got hurt, it, it really, like I said, changed the whole complexion of that defense, and, and that's really a big concern that I have. Um, you know, is is he a guy that you know can make plays um, when when he's relied upon to be the guy? Um, I, I look at Leighton McCarthy at, at a at a Florida Atlantic. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. Uh, ran in the four seven range there in the forty. Not overly explosive there, but a guy. Look, he has a quick get off. Gets to the quarterback in a hurry. Look, had nine sacks in twenty twenty. Was among the. Uh, the nation's leaders in sack totals uh, has 18 and a half total sacks in his career. A guy that's coming off the edge. He's, he's a little undersized, but a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback. So he's a guy to definitely keep an eye out for as is William Bradley King. Um, and, and the thing with William Bradley King uh, started his career um, at, at a power. I'm sorry, at a, at a group of five school. When you think about that, you, you see a guy like Jabril Cox and the way that he was to really emerge as, as that, uh, one of the alphas there on that defense. I thought William Bradley King, moving from Arkansas State and the Red Wolves to, to the Baylor Bears, he still showcased some of that ability. Although he kind of left me, you know, wanting more. And when you go to you know Arkansas State and you've got 14 and a half sacks coming off the edge there, um, you know, 24 tackles for loss, and in nine games there at Baylor, five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. He did have four four pass breakups. You know, a guy that I think it was more of the pressures. He wasn't getting home like he was for the Red Wolves, but I think this was a guy that was getting a lot of the pressures. I think he was dealing with a lot of uh, more mobile and more athletic quarterbacks in the Big 12 than in the Sun Belt. And so I think that was really one of the things. He wasn't able to necessarily get home like he was um, in the group of five, but he was a guy that knew how to get, get into backfield, had nice uh, nice length coming off the edge, um, is he a defensive end? Is he an outside linebacker? He's 6'4", 248 pounds. That's really going to be one of the big question marks. That tweener type position. Um, you know, if you let him play in a 34 outside linebacker, um, you know, he may have a chance at the next level. Uh, I'll give you a guy, you know, out of Iowa, Nick Neiman. You know, it seems like Iowa linebackers end up sticking at the next level, and he's going to be a guy that could be. Uh, a special teams contributor and don't rule him out as a guy that's going to end up you know, making some plays. Look, his brother uh, Ben is playing there for KC. And Nick Neiman at 6'4", 233 pounds, uh, ran an explosive, explosive 40 time, ran in the 4'4s. Four and you know, when you're talking about a, a guy you know, that size running that fast, you know, that was one of the things that I think really turned a lot of heads. Uh, you know, and what's funny is, is when you look at uh, everyone talking about pro days and, and things like that. Iowa's pro days, everyone looking at the numbers, nobody was really talking about him. Everyone wanted to talk about, you know, uh, Amir Smith-Marset and Davion Nixon and uh, Chauncey Golston, Alaric Jackson, all the, the, the main studs there for Iowa. But when, when he comes out and runs a 4-4-5-40, that really makes you take notice. And that's one of the things I think when you look at it, um, you know, Nick Neiman, possibly a seventh round pick, but a guy that I think can end up being a special teams ace and a guy that can find his way onto a football field um, sooner rather than later, uh, making some plays at that linebacker position. You know, and I'll give you one one final guy to, to keep an eye out for as a potential, uh, potential steal. May not get drafted. May end up being an, an undrafted free agent, but you know, a kid coming out of Concordia. His name is Chris Garrett. He's 6'4, 245 pounds, 48 and a half tackles for loss, 36 and a half sacks in, in his career. A, a guy that just had a nose for uh, nose for the football, a guy that liked to get into, into opposing backfields and uh, was a menace um, getting after the quarterback. And that's the thing that. I look at Chris Garrett, and I think he's a guy that you could potentially see. Could he? You know, he's, he's a Division II guy, but those absurd numbers as a pass rusher you, that makes you take notice. And if nothing else, he's going to end up being a guy that teams are going to end up drafting late. Look, you know, he's six six two, six three, two hundred forty eight pounds. 
ran in the 4.7 range, 4.7, 6.40, somewhere around there. Um, but a guy, look, when you again, when you can get after the quarterback and you have that motor uh, just flying off the edge, you know he doesn't hesitate. When he sees it, he reads, he reacts, and goes. Um, but he's one of those guys you worry about, um, you know, being able to get off get off blocks. Uh, at times with him, kind of has that narrow frame to him, but a, a guy that look, you know, he's he's going to continue to work, uses his hands really well, um, and, and loves to, you know, he, he he wins with speed, you know, and so that's the thing, you know, he's a guy that could end up being on a on a practice squad, stash him away, and allow him to develop, really work on that that pass rush repertoire, really get that. Uh, you know, his ability to to come off the edge um, because that effort is absolutely going to be there. The first step quickness is absolutely going to be there, and you can't deny that production. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye out for him. He might end up uh, might end up getting drafted when it's all said and done. Likely a priority free agent, a guy that you can throw out, like I said, on that practice squad and let him go to work. A um, couple of extra guys just to throw out there um, that I think are worthy of, of being talked about. Um, Max Richardson there at Boston College, six foot, two hundred thirty pounds. He and uh, um, Isaiah McDuffie were were two guys there at that linebacker position that were among the the nation's leaders in tackles. Uh, you know, back to back seasons. Um, you know, actually had 107 tackles in 2019, 99 in 2020. So one one uh, tackle shy of, of hitting triple digits. Uh, you know, in back to back seasons. But look. 22 tackles for loss during that time and seven sacks. Um, you know, to me, honestly, I think Max Richardson's probably a better pro prospect than Isaiah McDuffie because he has, you know, proven to be durable there for the Eagles. So he's a guy. Keep an eye out for him in the later rounds, potentially coming off the board. Um, he's a guy that I, I think could end up making some plays. Uh, Antoine Simmons out of Michigan State, six foot, 225 pounds, um, but just an athlete. The guy that makes plays, um, you know, for, for Michigan State was kind of the heart and soul of that defense at times. A little undersized, and, and, and I think that's going to be the biggest concern is when you've got those undersized linebackers, are they going to be able to make plays at the next level? But he's one of those guys to me that you just don't rule out. You know, I, I think of some of those guys, some of the, the, the undersized linebackers that end up making it at the next level. They all have one thing in common. They all have that motor they, they, that never quits, and he definitely has that. Last guy to mention is Charles Snowden out of Virginia. And look, just based on his, his size alone, he's going to get drafted. He's 6'7", 240 pounds, tremendous length. But what worries me with him is, you know, he has 191 tackles in his career, 30 and a half tackles for loss, 15 sacks. You know, he's improved his sack totals in each of his four years there with, uh, with the Cavaliers, 15 pass breakups as well. Um, but I worry about, I worry about the change of direction. I worry about because of that length. Can he play in space? Um, you know, I think he's taking advantage um, where he can with you know using some of that length and uh, coming downhill. He may be a guy that might end up having to kick inside and be a defensive end in a 43 defense uh, because I just I don't know that he can play in space. And that's really the biggest thing that I worry about is you know he can drop into 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 zone. But if you ask him to be a man-to-man guy, I just don't know that he's going to be able to do that. I don't know if he's going to have the foot speed to be able to do that. When you're 6'7", out in coverage, you know, you're going to be a little bit stiffer in the hips. And that's one of the things that I, I worry for him. But, you know, there are there is a place for him at the next level. He's a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, a guy that can come off the edge, offer some pass rush ability. And another guy that has those longer arms. Um but I think he'll end up being a, a late day three pick because of uh, some of those concerns from an athletic perspective. So those are the linebackers for me to really keep an eye out for in the 2021 draft, which again, less than two weeks away. You know, the countdown is on. Uh, we still have the defensive backs that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about corners. We're going to talk about safeties. Uh, Patrick Sertan, we know, is going to be the number one corner coming off the board. Or is he? My number one corner is actually J.C. Horn, and we'll talk about why. Uh, Caleb Farley, a lot of people love him as their number one corner. The injury concerns, they say that he's got a clean bill of health. I still think those concerns, because look, he had the back. Before that, it was the ACL. Um, so there are some injury concerns there. Durability has to be a concern. 
Uh, Greg Newsom, a guy that's climbing up boards. Um, he's a guy that I think uh, could be a you know a first round pick and a guy that's going to see the field early. Um, Ifatu Melafamu, look, you know six three corners. You don't see that very often. Moves very well for a guy his size. Eric Stokes ran that four two four forty. You got to keep an eye on him. His running mate Ty, uh, Tyson Campbell, 6'2", 185 pounds, running a four three seven forty. A couple of athletic freaks there for Georgia. You're going to see them come off the board on day two, um, and then at the safety position, obviously, I think Tra- Travon Merrig, the the Jim Thorpe Award winner, you have to expect he's going to come off the board on day one. I've got him going to the Jaguars at number twenty five overall. But then after that, you know, you've got some playmakers back there. Richie Grant, a Thorpe Award finalist himself. You have Andre Sisco, all those interceptions. Javon Holland, another guy, ton of interceptions, offers some versatility, can play both safety positions and line up in the slot when you need him to as well. Um, you know, Ardarius Washington has tremendous range, undersized at that safety position, but can make plays. Uh, Trill Williams there at Syracuse, uh, played there alongside uh, Andre Sisco, another guy with some versatility. Um, there are guys you can look at all three days. Look, you can possibly you know get a guy like Talanoa Hufanga in, in round in, in day three in that fifth to sixth round range. You know maybe a little limited athletically, but a guy that you know he flies around to the football, reckless abandon, heat seeking missile. Um, but a guy who I think has has kind of toned that down, plays a lot more under control, and was making plays, dropping into coverage there for the Trojans. So he's a guy that we'll definitely talk about. In my next podcast, breaking things down, I didn't even talk about the Missouri guys. You know, Tyree Gillespie, Joshua Bledsoe, two guys to really keep an eye out for. I think Tyree Gillespie. I'm looking at the Titans, round number three. They got rid of Kenny Vaccaro. I think they target uh, Tyree Gillespie, and he ends up being a starter for them, um, probably week one. You know, I, I think he's that good. Um, the cover skills. You, you saw what he could do against Kyle Pitts. Um, definitely kept up with him more than held his own. Um, so he's definitely a guy to keep an eye out for, um, you know, Hamsa Nazar, uh, Dean, another guy who has tremendous length, made a lot of tackles. I worry about the stiffness, you know, another guy, look, he's six, four playing that safety position. You know, he may end up having to play a linebacker spot at, at the next level. I, that's why I, I like what Jacoby Stevens did. Um, ultimately moving to that linebacker position. I know that you know part of that switch was there at LSU, but I think it really makes sense. Um, you know, you have him at that linebacker, a hybrid position. He can cover running backs and linebackers. You know, just you're not going to ask him to line up in the slot. You're not going to ask him to cover there. You're not going to ask him to be a center fielder or anything like that. Let him play around the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I think that's really more his speed. Uh, you know, Hamza Nazaruddin. You know, I think that may be what you'll end up having to do. I think. Fourth round, I have him penciled there right now. There's a chance I may end up dropping him um, further into day three just because I worry about the stiffness. That, that's really the biggest thing at that safety position. Uh, you know, I, I think back to when uh, a guy like Taylor Mays, a lot of people love Taylor Mays. You know, big, physical, buffed up dude, tons of muscles, but he was so stiff. And it was one of those things to where he struggled a lot with, you know, with trying to flip his hips and, and turn and run. And, you know, a guy that could really be effective coming downhill. But if you asked him to to turn and take off and run, that's where he really, you know, he was exposed and was a liability. Um, so that's that's the big concern that I have. Uh, you know, another guy that I think of was uh, Cody Pruitt. You know, a guy that made a lot of plays there for Mississippi, but again, another guy who had some stiffness in his hips didn't really translate to the next level. So as that, you know, as you're looking at some of the safeties, that's one of the things that you really have to figure out is, is who do you have? You know, who are the guys that are going to play around the box? Guys that are going to come up and hit you? Who are the guys that are going to be your center fielders? The guys that can come in and, and be versatile, can can line up in the slot, can be cover guys, um, and then you know the guys that can do it all. Uh, guys like Travon Merrig, um, those are the guys that you know are going to come off the board. Um, you know, in the first two days of the draft, you know, I, I think um, you know, Richie Grant's another guy. I think he'll end up being the number two safety taken uh, when it's all said and done. But uh, there are going to be definitely some guys that we're going to be talking about in the secondary, and then from there, we're going to try to take a look at as many of the 
the, the teams and their draft needs leading up to the draft. So again, we're going to have some podcasts thrown your way uh, every couple of days leading up to the draft on the 29th, taking a look at um, the different the different teams, what the, some of their draft needs are going to be. I've got a mock draft that I'm working through. Uh, I'm going to release it um, going over the first five rounds of the draft. So really what we'll look at is each team and some of their projections for the first five rounds of the draft uh, here coming up as well. And then just a couple of days, possibly even the 28th, I'll release my final mock draft. We'll go through it. It'll be essentially the same mock draft that I have right now, but we'll go ahead, we'll take a look at it, we'll talk about why um, you know, that first round looks the way that it does, and uh, we'll see what happens there on the 29th, and then after the draft, you know, 29th, 30th, and May 1st, May 1st will be day three of the draft, rounds four through seven, we'll come back and we'll go ahead and break down each team and their performance in the draft. Take a look at their their picks. Take a look at you know the the you know, what what gaps they filled in. Um, see if there are any uh, team needs that they didn't address, and you know see if we can really pinpoint what their draft strategy was. Uh, you know there are sometimes there are some teams that you look at and you're like I don't even know what they were trying to do here. They didn't address any of the needs that people were identifying. Um, so that's part of the fun too. We're gonna go ahead and take a look at what these teams did in the draft um, here in uh, in the first couple of weeks of May. And then we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll call it a day. We'll end up taking a, a first look at the 2022 draft. And then we'll go ahead and go on hiatus for a couple of months. And we'll do it all over again. And we'll start talking about that 2022 draft. And, uh, you know, that'll probably pick up there in the middle of August as we get ready for the 2021 college football season. So that's kind of giving you a roadmap, a road ahead of what we're looking for. And uh, be on the lookout in a couple of days. We'll be talking about the secondary here before we know it. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Draft is right around the corner, everyone. Can't wait. Enjoy your week. Take care, and until next time, I am out of here.